calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. And again, that, that comes with age. It comes with wisdom and like learning. Like, oh, you have to talk about your problems. You have to talk about your needs and your wants. And mm-hmm. stuff. We just didn't know how to do that. I was his first boyfriend. He was my first long-term boyfriend. So it was very like, neither of us knew what we were doing, you know? Welcome back to another episode of Awkward Sex in the City. Again, I hope you're feeling great. You're doing great. You're living your life. I love that for you. I love it so much. Um, This episode, really fun. I got to sit down uh, with someone who discovered my podcast and became a fan. And this is the first for me where I had a fan on the podcast and just a very cool person, Dimitri Wild. I will say really quick, straight up top. There's a lot of trigger warnings. Um, We talk about... We talk about um, shame. I'll say shame is a, a trigger warning for shame. We talk about shame. We talk about OCD. Um, so if that's triggering for you, I totally understand. As someone with OCD, I totally get it. Uh, we do talk about serial killers. We talk about uh, what else that would be a trigger warning. Um, just know we go we go dark in this episode. It's guess what I'll say. Like we definitely go a little bit darker. It's a very interesting, very fun episode. Me and Dimitri are very like in the way that we think, the way that we like to talk about things. Um, like you guys know how much I love to talk about death, how much I think about death on a daily basis. Like every day I wake up and I'm like, is this the day? Like, is this, is this a day? And like, I think about like, you know, is there a clock? Well, there is a clock, but like, where is the clock at? Um, and so many other things. So many other things. But again, I think you're going to like, if you like the podcast, you are going to really like this episode. Uh, it really is just like we bonded over, you know, we bonded over in 2020 about, you know, MRSA and a staph infection. And we talk about that. So trigger warning for MRSA as well. But I just want to make sure I let you guys know up top, we definitely dive deep into some darker subjects than, you know, than more often. But again, it's like another, you know, cathartic episode, interesting episode, and just a really interesting episode of just, you know, people in general. And again, I just think you're going to really love it. 
Uh, if you want to follow him, you absolutely should. You can follow him at Dimitri Wild underscore Wild spelled W Y L D E on the socials. And then he also has a podcast that if you like Awkward Sex and City, you are definitely going to like, which is Hookup Horror Stories. I want you to download it right now. It's uh, available anywhere podcasts are available. So make sure. And he's got stuff on YouTube as well. And I think you're just going to fall in love with him. Oh, and remember to. <laughs> I think I just snorted. Uh, remember to rate, like, subscribe, review Awkward Sex and the City. Tell your friends. Scream it from the rooftops. Email me. Email me. This is this is how this happened. He emailed me and he didn't sound crazy. Uh, so we talked and we got to um, know more about each other and finally got to have him on the podcast as well. So please absolutely email me your thoughts, uh, your awkward sex stories, what questions you have about life in general. Like, I'm here to listen. I'm so excited. Oh, where should you email me at? That's a great question, Natalie. You can email me at awkwardsexandthecity at gmail.com. And I've been checking spam better. And I hope to talk soon. And also, I hope you like the episode. I think you may be my first ever guest that was like, because you found the podcast. I think it's always been friends or like comedians. Like, I don't think I've ever had... <laughs> like a fan on before this is exciting really How do you feel? <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think now and I don't think I don't think I have I will admit a lot of times when I get emails from fans um they're weird like I'm like are you a serial killer <laughs> um and I guess that comes with the nature of like the like people see the title of the show I think and they're just like um they're like, oh, this is just, it's all going to be, this is how I have sex, kind of. Like, I um, mm -hmm. I had my show, this actually reminds me, I had my show in the city uh, in August. It was my 10-year anniversary show. And there was this guy at the bar. And he was like, oh, you, you're the show. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And he was like, yeah, I... I came here because like, oh, no, he told my friend this. He talked to me. And I was like, yeah, it's my show. And then he talked to my friend at the bar and was like, yeah, I thought this was like a sex party. Uh, and my friend was like, oh, <laughs> no, bro. <laughs> No, it's a comedy what a, show. What an, what an awful sex party. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, ooh, sorry, man. Like, just not, not the vibe. Like, do you? And I think he was married, too. I think he was, like, in the city for the weekend to just kind of have, like, business, but also, like, a little pleasure. And I was like, sorry, I can't help you facilitate possibly cheating on your wife. Uh, but good luck, man. I don't know. It was He stayed for the whole show. He tipped the bartenders well. But it was like... You you get that a lot with this show. Like you get a lot of they see sex and they're just like, yes, sex, please now. And like they, they never really yeah, like look exactly. into it. But yours was not like that. Yours, we were talking earlier, was about a staph infection. If you're comfortable talking about that. Oh, yes, please. I, I <laughs> love talking about my staph infections. Um yeah, so I sent you, we were talking about this earlier. I I sent you an email. We found out it was in 2020. And I, I think you mentioned something about staph infections. And I was mm -hmm. like, I just got over two. <laughs> and I think the whole conversation was like, um, was like, yeah, like you weren't sure if you can have them like multiple times, like in a row or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, no, I'm proof. I, I can do it. I will say I am um, immunodeficient. I'm HIV positive. So that could have been also it also. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had one on my shoulder that was uh pretty gnarly it was like uh it was on my tattoo I actually had to get it covered up afterwards oh no yeah I probably it, destroyed the tattoo yeah it sucked um but then I had another one on my anal region <laughs> <laughs> uh 
which was so much fun. Um, and I didn't even know you can get them there, but it was mm-hmm. definitely a, a, a horrible experience, you know. Um, I had to I, go to the hospital. Yeah. And there was a part where, like, I was being taken care of, like, such a wonderful doctor at the time. And then it was all of a sudden her time to go. And she was like, yeah, we're going to Lancet. We're going to, like, get you some relief, like, today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, amazing, wonderful. Let's do this. Well, like, it was, like, t- her time to go. Mm-hmm. And there was a changing of the guard, if you will. And the doctor <laughs> that came in was like, yeah, we're going to send you on antibiotics and send you on your way. So I had to live with that until it, like, popped itself. Popped on its own. It, yeah, it was really uh, not fun. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. It's if you've never had a staph infection, it is like one of the worst pains I've ever experienced in my life. Like it's so, so painful. Um, and I guess because it is literally a flesh eating bacteria. Like I it's mm-hmm. it's doing its work. Um, and I can't even imagine having it there. My first so I'm just disgusting. I think I talked about it on the podcast before, like years ago, but I had like an ingrown hair in my my pubic region, like around like my vulva. And I used, I was up before all my friends after a night of drinking, like I had crashed on their house, like on their couch and I found tweezers and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and like, get it out. And I, I really like dug in. I couldn't like, couldn't get it out. I couldn't find it. And then I just put the tweezers like back in their like medicine cabinet. Like I didn't clean them. I didn't clean them before. I didn't clean them after. Like I am a disgusting, horrible friend when I was, I think I was 19 when that happened I was 19 which I'm now realizing I'm at the like anniversary of it because when it happened when I when it then went um, went to my leg it was right before Thanksgiving break but so basically I had it on my on my pubes first and I had no clue what was going on and it was so painful and I was working at this like like non-for-profit magazine where the editor-in-chief hated me. She was like 65. She always thought I was dressed inappropriately because um, I would take off like my my jacket because uh, we were in like a, a small, like kind of like this size room, very small room with like eight computers. They were just like crazy hot. And I like went to the bathroom and I just like remember popping it. Like I finally was able to just like really like like squeeze it and it just gushed out. Like there was just so much in it. And then I was fine. I was like, oh, great, cool, we're done. And then like, I think two or three days later, it, the same thing happened on my leg. And then that one, like, wouldn't, it didn't come to a head or anything. And it was getting worse and worse. And I couldn't move my leg. Yeah. And I like drove home for Thanksgiving. And I was like, mom, dad, like, I just need you to know, like, there's something weird happening with my leg. And at that point, it had taken up this much of my thigh. Like, it was just so, so big. And I showed, I had, remember I had to like, take off like my pants for my parents. And they were just like, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> it's fine. And they called our doctors as quickly as possible. Uh, we had military doctors. So they also have like different times and hours and stuff too. And so we, they called them. And I guess my mom had to staff because she was a nurse. Um, or like, And she had like experience. So they were like, oh, no, we can't take her until after Thanksgiving. And then they called them back and was like, did you say staff? Like, did you say MRSA? Um, yeah. And they were like, get her in. And they weren't able, same, they weren't able to like Lancet yet. Uh, what I had to do, they gave me crazy antibiotics. They also were like, you've got 24 hours to live. If these antibiotics don't what? work, <laughs> it had gotten, I let it get really, really bad. Like it was, they basically were like, 
there is a chance you could lose your leg because it, I guess once it hits your bone, they have to amputate. And oh so, God, yeah, it was really, really bad. It was so bad. And it was very close to my knee bone. It was very close to my patella. And it was very close to my thigh. Um, I'm pointing at my thigh as if you can like see it. And um, <laughs> they were just like, there is that chance. Like we, it's gone far. If the antibiotics work, then, then we've caught it in time. But if not, like this is a, a possibility. And I had to, I think all Thanksgiving day, they were like, you need to take a like, you need to boil water and then put like a washcloth in it and you're going to put it on for as long as you can handle it, like handle that heat. Cause you want to bring up the infection. And, yeah. uh, my mom took that very seriously and literally just put like boiling hot water on my leg for like 12 hours. Um, but then it finally worked and I was able to, I, I remember I just like had to like use my knuckles to like pop it and it, this is so long and so disgusting. And then it literally just shot up like a volcano. And like, yes. I think it took like 30 minutes for all of like the, the infection to come out. And now I still have like this like indent in my thigh from like mm -hmm. all of it. Uh, I'm so sorry. That was so long and so disgusting, but yeah. And then I got in trouble because some of it got on the um, kitchen, not the kitchen, got on the bathroom mat. And my mom was mad at me. And I was like, I don't know what you want. Like, do you want me to die? <laughs> Or can we just go to Walmart and get like another $10 bathroom mat that's white, Sharon? Like, why do we have a white bathroom mat in the bathroom? All our all our rugs are white in our house. And it was like, this, you're just asking for a disaster. Um God damn it, Sharon. <laughs> right. And that's and that's how we bonded. That's how we started talking. Uh staff infection, MRSA. Beware, yeah. people. Mm -hmm. You get MRSA, go immediately to the hospital. A lot of people die, think... like old people, I think, die from MRSA because it's easy to get in a hospital. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I found your podcast um, because I started my podcast back in 2019, Hook Up Horror Stories. Mm -hmm. And I think I was just trying to find other sex podcasts to kind of like network with, or like listen to, or just like whatever the thing. I, I, I think I actually just searched awkward sex at one point. <laughs> it was the first one that popped up. And I was like, oh, let me check this one out. So I think that's how it happened. Oh my God. I love it. It's amazing. Amazing. Awkward sex. That's all you need. Tell me, are you yeah. still doing hookup, um, hookup horror stories? I am. Yeah. Yay. Um, I'm, I've been recording. I've, I've done like 52 episodes or so I'm in between seasons right now. I usually do about like 10 to 12 episodes per season. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm kind of in between. I just finished, I had a bonus episode come out on Halloween, Ooh. but, um, yeah vampire threesome uh check that out <laughs> okay absolutely vampire threesome i i uh, interviewed this uh this horror writer horror and true crime writer in new orleans and he had a a, a vampire story so i was like yes this is a halloween episode did um, he hook up with but... Sookie? no <laughs> no he hooked up with uh two twin lestats <laughs> oh okay yeah, it was uh, pretty fun. But yeah, I've been doing this since like, I, I think I started in 2019. I took a break because uh, the co-host that I had didn't work out. And mm. um, then I started doing working on other projects and stuff. I had two other podcasts in between then. Then I brought back Hookup Horror Stories. Mm -hmm. uh, 2020, it'll be a year and a half now, 2021, 2022. Okay, awesome. Yeah, been doing it for a while. I I'm so sorry I haven't listened to this yet and I'm so excited to especially the vampire threesome have you had like a favorite 
hookup story, hookup horror story? Or do you have any of yours, your favorites? Like, do you Oh, I have divulge? tons of myself. That's the whole reason why <laughs> I started it was like, you know, I, I had a friend come up to me and was like, do you have, I, well, I've studied journalism and communications. I've listened to podcasts for like years and stuff. So I was like, well, like, I, of course I've thought about it. Like, what should I do if I ever did one? And I was like, dating has to be it. Cause I've been a writer my entire life, but, um, I've always been interested in like, you know, relationships, communication. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older and started exploring sexuality more, I <laughs> realized that none of us have any fucking clue what we're doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we've, I've, through my own experiences and stuff, and I was like, oh man. And then I talked to other people about it. They're like, oh, I have so many like crazy sex stories. And I was like, yes, like bring them to me. <laughs> um, but I... Yeah, some of my own. I mean, I mean, how how in depth do you want to go? Do you, I I can talk about shame. I can talk about um just horror. I hooked up with my well, I'll, I'll tell this one. It's actually one of my favorite ones. So, I was going through a really bad breakup one time, and uh, back in like 2016, my boyfriend and I have like five years. We were breaking up, and uh, I actually left Seattle at the time because uh, we had an apartment together, and I said I want to come back to California, where I'm from. And uh, I had gone, I had gone to Sacramento uh, for a little stint. I had friends there, and I got my own place. And you know, things started looking up for a little while, and decided to you know tinker around the internet again, and got on Grinder. And I met this guy. And I took an Uber to his place. He lived in like Roseville, which was like forty-five minutes outside of Sacramento. And I took an Uber to his house. And, you know, hooked up with him. The sex was like, not great. It was, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was okay at best. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, got, went back home and didn't think anything of it. Never wanted to contact him ever again. But he followed me on Facebook. Like he found me on Facebook, started bugging me like every single day. Oh my God. To like hook up again, to hang out again. And I was just like, bro, like, leave me alone. Like, I, it was a one time thing. Mm -hmm. And then one day he asked me, he goes, How do you know X? And I was like, That is my ex boyfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you know X? <laughs> and he goes, That's my nephew. Oh my God. Uh and oh so I told God. him, I'm like, okay, well, now we absolutely cannot have sex again. And oh my God, yeah. you can't tell him any of this. <laughs> so what does he do? He goes and tells him. <laughs> I was going to say, he definitely, I feel like he loves the goss and loves the drama if he's, if he's like fucking on Facebook with you 24-7. I was like, my God, dude, leave me alone. And the next thing you know, I get a phone call from my ex, who I actually hadn't spoken to since I've moved because it was mm -hmm. not a great breakup. Mm -hmm. But he calls me and he goes, my uncle <laughs> i was like how did that happen um but it's actually kind of a nice story because at the end of it like we, he and i did start talking again for a little while and like you know we we kind of remedied what 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 went wrong in the relationship you know so in essence it was it was kind of a good thing at the very end of it but yeah mm -hmm. it was traumatizing and and was like oh my god how of course this has happened to me <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. It's you had to be like, I'm sorry, Grinders not set up to let me know who my previous partners are related to. Like, Grinder is tries to be like as anonymous as possible, right? Like in a way, right. when you're like, yeah, it's like <laughs> I promise this was not like a revenge thing. I swear to God. But oh my god, I'd be fucking mortified. Though I'm so glad to hear that in the end, it you know it mended some stuff. Do you guys talk to this day? Like, are you guys in speaking terms, or is it kind of like? we need to close this chapter so we can both move on. No, we're, we're in two different places now. He has a new boyfriend. He's been together with him for a long time. And, and it was, um, it was just, you know, it was, it was a good send off, I think. But um, yeah, I have a boyfriend now. We're in two totally different places. Yeah. Growth. That's awesome. And you, um, you talked about before too, like how we don't know what we're doing and it's just really, really true. It's kind of, I think what started awkward sex for me, it was like, we, there's no real education by a lot behind a lot of stuff in like, you know, the U S we don't know what we're doing. We don't realize, like, I remember being very, very, very embarrassed that like, I didn't have sex in high school. I didn't have sex in college until my junior year of college. Um, I was 20. And I remember being so embarrassed that I was in my 20s when I like lost my virginity. And then you start doing this podcast and you're like every almost like every other girl was like, yeah, I was in my 20s. I was I was 20. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Tina Fey was like 20, 27. And there's this weird shame around this stuff that you you hide from when it comes to like sex and sexuality and dating and like, even just like, certain like sexual things that we do with ourselves and each other and you just had no clue um that everyone felt the same way and so yeah when I pitched the show or the podcast I'm like this is to make everyone feel included and understand that they're not weird like that's the whole point of it it's like we're not weird um for what we do what we don't do or what we know what we don't know because none of us know like I mean I've been doing this for 10 plus years and I still don't know like anything you know like I feel like I've learned so much (laughs) and there's still so much to learn you know definitely yeah Yeah. I the more I I dig into it and I've I've really expanded this concept too so like I've actually started like you know really delving into like the education aspect of it like really Mm -hmm. delving into um uh sharing like the taboo subjects you know like you know I I have a friend of mine that I talk to on a regular basis every uh, once in a while she's she's a specialist in necrophilia <laughs> so like I love diving into like the weird mm-hmm. the dark stuff you know mm-hmm. and then also like you know sexual assault and you know all that jazz and um because there's so much of that that like we just don't want to talk about because of how shameful it is mm-hmm. and so I want to open up that bust it wide open and, you know, allow people the, the space to do that, to, to share their stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Shame is really just like, just like a cloud over sex in a lot of ways. It just like, we are feeling shame for some reason. Like, you know, maybe it's re- like religion comes up a lot on this podcast, as you know, like, is it religious, like uh, aspects that are making you feel shamed or like not asking questions? Um, is your partner making you feel shame? Like when you said shame, I was like, oh, I definitely felt shame in sex and I couldn't think of anything right away. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, my emotionally abusive, uh, emotionally abusive ex, there it is, who would like compare my body to his ex. And like, be like, I liked hers better. Or like she, my favorite line was that he would say she didn't get as wet as me. And he liked that better. And I remember (laughs) being like, oh, okay, cool. I can't control any of this. And like the last time I heard 
that's a good thing. Like, no shame to your ex. Like, obviously, every every vag is different when it comes to literal secretions. But I was like, cool, great. Like, I don't, <laughs> what do you want me to do with that feedback, bro? But of course, you're, you know, I was 23 or 24. You know, I think 24. And you're like, I think I love this person. I want this to work out. I think this is just how these conversations happen. And like, this is love. And then you get away from that. And you're like, oh, no, that's not fucking love. That's literally abuse. I mean, he did other stuff, too. But you're just like, oh, he made you feel like shit repeatedly, um, mm-hmm. especially around sex. I had a really hard time with um, this person would withhold sex from me when he was mad at me or like when he didn't get his way. So I would start. I had a point where I was like starting counting the days and be like, Oh my God, we haven't had sex in like 27 days. It's been 31 days. And that would always fuck with me too. So when I got with my husband, Aaron, and you know, we've been together almost nine years now that like, yeah, there's some weeks you just don't get to it. You know, there's things going on um, mm-hmm. that the first couple of years I'd be like, do you hate me? Like, what are you, what are you mad about? What I do? <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm just, I'm tired. And you were out of town last weekend at a show. So it's just been like, now you know like it took so long just to get over that um and like letting go of there used to be shame of like am I not having enough sex am I having too much sex it never ends like it just there's so many ways you can be shamed about such a simple act that should just be fun and pleasurable yeah I think I mean the big the big problem with my last relationship was that it had gone on for so long that like we just became friends (laughs) friends <laughs> you know mm, we were living mm-hmm. together but like it just became as if we were friends mm-hmm. um you know we kind of stopped having sex in a lot of ways and and you know it took a long time for us to like even like get one out or like whatever so mm-hmm. it, also just like to talk about it you know because we just didn't do that and again that, that comes with age it comes with wisdom and like learning like oh you have to talk about your problems you talk about your needs and your wants and mm-hmm. stuff. like we just didn't know how to do that i was his first boyfriend he was my first long-term boyfriend so it was very like neither of us knew what we were doing you know mm-hmm. yeah that first one that really is what is it that what's that saying about a pancake where you're just like the first pancakes always like burnt or some shit. I'm really bad oh, at yeah. saying, but like I kind of <laughs> sort of know them. Where you always like throw out the first pancake as you burn it because you like let it like um, sit in the pan too long. I don't know. But anyways, the first one, yeah, there's a lot of learning. I mean, all of them, you learn and grow a lot. Um, mm. But yeah, you really, and I feel like you, when you're, I had, I was, I felt again, shame for being like so much older for my first long-term relationship that I definitely found myself letting a lot of things slide too, where I knew in like my heart of hearts, like this wasn't okay. Like I knew this wasn't okay. My, oh, you know what? No, my most shameful moment, I think is that same ex that would withhold sex from me. Um, We broke up, we would break up like three or four times and he would usually get back with his ex. Uh, and pretty sure, like, I think cheated on both of us with the other. But oh, I boy. remember um, he had, I think it was the first time we broke up. And I, he left his Gmail open on my computer. And I was like, I'm fucking looking. And I found this, like, <laughs> poem that, oh, no, we just gotten back together. And so I was like, no, I'm fucking looking to see what happened when we weren't together. Um, so 
full, full disclosure, I was also toxic, like in this relationship too. Like, I know I wasn't making good choices. And I found this like poem he wrote, one of my friends. So not even his ex, but like a friend um, who at that time we were like kind of close together and we would like, you know, kind of perform together. And that same night he was doing a show. It was like a 24 hour show but his show was at like four or five in the morning. And so I just remember being like, just crying my eyes out being like, he likes this other person. You know, this is who he likes. Like I've never gotten like this type of like poem. And I still like got a cab and went to this stupid show where there was like five people in the audience and watched it and then still like stayed with him for months and then we'd break up again and then like get back together like that was at the beginning of shit hitting the fan and it's like I'm now so embarrassed that I stayed for so long knowing this like knowing this thing that he did and I did ask him about it and he was like yeah I sent it to a couple people and then I asked and again they were all friends and so I asked a couple of them and they were like that never happened like Mm -hmm. that I was never sent that but he was just like this huge like liar like pathological liar and just wanted whatever he wanted at that time um and it was just like that I was like this is my first long-term relationship I have to make this work like this this is when this happens and then you get married and all this stuff like this is my person and it take takes took me so long to be like oh no, like he's making you feel like shit left and right. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You can't let him just apologize and get over. Like it, it was so bad. I finally, what ended it was he left me at a bar. We were supposed to go home together, but I had like, he ignored me for something, something comedy wise. He ignored me because he was a comedian too, or is one. Um, And I once he finally came back and I made like some comment of like, oh, are we cool enough for you now? He just left and didn't tell me. <laughs> and that was what was it. That's what like stopped it for me. I was like furious. I walked home with my friend and she was like, I don't know, girl, like I, I think it's time to call it. And then I called my mom and she was like, look, and I told her everything. And she was like, I'm just gonna say this once. Like, you don't sound happy and you haven't in a very long time. And then it was like, it just like kind of clicked of like, oh shit, I'm not happy. I haven't been happy for like a year and a half. And then I just, I like, uh, he kept trying to apologize via text. And I was like, you can call me after your rehearsal at 11.30 PM, but I'm not talking. Like we'll talk on the phone. And I was just like, I'm done. And he was like, yeah, I treat you like shit. And I was like, yeah, you got anything else to say? And he was like, no. And then he was like, don't you have something else to say about us? And I was like, nope, goodbye. (laughs) And then I slept so well. And then he tried to get back together with me for like three or four months, I think. Um, And I was like, no like I think I had to end up I think I had to end up blocking him or he blocked me because he was like I want to be friends now and I was like I don't want to be friends with you like I'm good um because yeah. we were like in like the same like comedy community I was like no nah, I'm good bro um so he was like I gotta block you and I was like cool and then I just ended up blocking him too to make sure when he tried to unblock like he'd be gone and then I think he married well I do know he married his ex so they started dating like right after I think I said. Like, oh my god! Yeah, so I was like, I think I dodged a bullet. I think I dodged a bullet there. Um, but yeah, Definitely. and then I, and then I just started fucking left and right because I felt so weird around sex. I hated my body. I hated like 
having sex uh, because I felt like I wasn't good at it because of him. And so then I just started having sex left and right. Turns out I'm an ash. It turns out like it's great. And like, as long as you communicate with people like, hey, I'm just in this for sex. Like, you're really cool. I don't want anything else. People are down. People are really Mm -hmm. down. And it was a really fun year uh, of doing that. And I really, I, I learned myself again. Like I found myself again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it all starts with with shame is like in the body. It's it's mm. very like our body for whatever reason is just so everyone is so afraid of it. Mm, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. that's what we have. It's our it's our meat suit. It's the thing that gets us from A to B. Like why is it so difficult for people to express what's going on with themselves or like, you know, show what's going on with their body? Like I was reading this Reddit story the other day about this girl who was afraid that her partner when she had sex with him was going to be like afraid of like her scar or whatever mm-hmm. and um oh no, no it was uh anal bleaching that's what it was that was the question what was it, what it was about she was like i have a darker asshole or something or like i have a darker mm-hmm. like vaginal area and i also have a scar running down like a part of that area and so it's like if if I show this to someone, are they going to be disgusted? Are they going to be grossed out? Aww. And I'm like, absolutely not. If you're with the right person, mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, though, you know, the right person will be the right person for you. But I think that's where, where it all kind of comes down to is like this, this body shame that we all kind of carry with us, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a skinny guy and like, you know, first world problems perhaps, but uh I everyone always comments on it in high school they're like oh you're so skinny I wish I was as skinny as you I wish I was as skinny as you I'm like mm-hmm. I that kind of gives me a complex when people start saying that you know mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it's it's that weird it's that weird thing where like if if something's brought to your attention more and more the more conscious you become of it mm-hmm. and it that you internalize a lot of that stuff Oh, yeah. I mean, we really are fucked when it comes to our bodies. And I feel like the skinny part isn't talked about enough, right? Like we're always talking about being like, you know, body shame for, you know, gaining weight or being considered fat or or what have you. Um, but people forget that like people that are skinny also are going through shit too and don't want certain comments directed at their bodies too. Like I remember this happened yesterday. I was like doing my doom scrolling on TikTok and one one girl was like, what is it? The Roman empire trend? Like she was like, my Roman empire is I lost a lot of weight after my mom like died and people just kept complimenting me and being like, what did you do? And I was like, my mom died. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we like, you know, we just conflate's not the right word. We just contribute like skinny to like success. And it's like, she's going through major trauma. Like she, doesn't need this extra stuff put on her like I'm talking about her stuff I know her and it's like it's just so wild like the inappropriate things we say about each other's bodies especially to like fucking strangers too you know like I it's it blows my mind some days um Mm -hmm. and just how we need to like step back from that and I see myself doing that too being like oh my god you look great and you're like ah no like that's don't why are you doing that why are you like projecting your shit on someone else like stop just stop it just stop doing that yeah, stop projecting your shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like I you also are very unique for a podcast guest and that you very much have experienced people opening up to you too and like really really being okay and it's such a 
it's an interesting place to be because you hear a lot of stuff. You're like some stuff like, oh, I don't know if I should have heard that. But then you you really get to be in a spot where you're kind of helping people too, just letting them talk, just listening is all it is. Like letting them talk about what's on their minds about whether it's their body or sex or sexuality or past experiences. Like, how does that feel for you? Well, I've always been a very curious person. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always like had questions about things and people I've you know I I want to get to like a deeper understanding of people mm-hmm. and maybe that's a rare thing <laughs> for some people but I I feel like I I don't I don't like the surface level stuff I'm like just just let's get it mm-hmm. nasty. Let's, let's get like what's your trauma <laughs> like let me I'm that, that person like please tell me like like when did your mom die like I'm that person <laughs> so um you know, how did that feel for you? Like, I am very that. So yeah. I, but I, I love that. I, I love talking to people about the, the deeper, darker parts of themselves. And, you know, a lot of it's funny. Like I, I love, hum- I love using humor as, as a coping mechanism, but it's, it's honestly, it's great being able to do that and also to share information about mm-hmm. this stuff and to, absorb people's stories and to share them with other people that might need to hear it and I don't know I just I I I can't imagine myself doing anything else well it's it's really funny you say that she goes like I hate I hate like the idle chit chat or like the watercolor chit chat like it's like I don't know you like I don't I want to know what makes you you like when you're like I want to know your trauma I'm like same I do I want to know because that is what made you it's part of what's made you who you are today. It's not the whole picture, obviously, but it's like, you know, trauma's kind of talked about as like this terrible thing. And it's like, but it's made you who you are. And you made you a cool person. And it's fucking sucks in a lot of ways. Um, just because I've this is more talking to myself. Um, because I have OCD and I've really worked through what happened. And also the hardest part for me when I was like talking to my therapist about it recently was like, um, I felt like that person I was like disappeared right and then it just turned out like I was just like protecting her with the OCD and now she's like back and you like it's such a like mind fuck of like who would I have been if that didn't happen or things like that um but ah fuck you said something else that I wanted to talk about too and I forgot can I ask how OCD manifests for you um it's manifests a couple ways for me uh so when 2020 happened uh that was the I can't get clean like I can't, it was really bad. I'd never had that before. It was really, really bad. Aaron had to be like, you need to talk to your therapist about this. Like you're, cause I was in denial and he was like, no, your, your OCD was bad. Like I was, I was take my phone. Anytime we went outside, I would take my phone when we got home and would just like clean it for like 20 minutes. And like, (laughs) I was just like washing my hands raw. And then we got into a fight. This is when he was like, you need to go talk to your therapist. We got into a fight because he put a pillow on the floor. We were like dancing and being silly. And he put a pillow on the floor and then put it back on the couch. And I was like, I, why did you do that? Like the, the COVID's on the floor. And he was like, no, like it's not, oh boy. we're being safe. You need to talk to your therapist, which was really important. Um, but for me, the uh, when I was younger, when shit hit the fan, it was like, locks doors had to be locked like am I safe in a door if you ever like if we ever meet in person I have a habit of like not fully walking into a room I'll hang by the door um which I just realized was like oh because I'm trying to like have an escape plan um a lot of locks (laughs) a lot of um I was also religious when I was younger so a lot of praying 
it was a mm. lot. And so now I'm like just full-blown atheist part of that too, of like, this isn't safe. But it was like, um, I'd have to pray like five Hail Marys for like everyone in my life. And if I didn't, they would die. Like mine is, if I don't do this thing, it will, that person will die. Someone will die. Mm. So in my mind, it's like, I'm protecting people. Like I like must do this. But it's really been, it was in check for a long time until COVID. COVID happened. And I was like, if I don't keep us clean, like we're like, we're going to die. We're going to kill everyone. And then every once in a while, it'll be like, I got to check to make sure the door is locked. Like, and like, it's, it would be like numbers. Like, it'd be like, oh, I have to check this five times or like a lot of tapping. Tapping's a big one. Um, but then you just kind of, if you can, like some people still like kind of live with it day to day, but you kind of, what I did was, um, you had to like live a day and not do those things and show yourself that like people aren't going to die. And then once you're mm -hmm. like, oh, the monster starts to kind of go away once you're like, okay, like I did not pray my family is alive. Like I didn't do this thing. People are alive. And then like, you're able to get out of it. And the then- The proof becomes the- uh, the, the Yeah. The, the, not not the, the antidote. The antidote. Yeah, like the medicine that like, you needed, like the antidote of like, okay, one does not make the other. And like my therapist is always like, you are not your thought. Like your thoughts aren't real. Your thoughts can't control shit. And so you no. get, then you got, once you're, if you're in it and then you start seeing like, oh, your thoughts don't control this. Like you cannot control this part at all with any of these like weird actions. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a story right now, but I wouldn't give Aaron head because one of my friends sent me a, um, an article that they found COVID in semen. And I was like, <laughs> nope, you're not putting, oh, no. you're not putting your dick in my mouth. Um, and we get like COVID, you know, cum droplets in my throat. And that's how like we die. Like I just, I'm doing this for <laughs> us. And it took me a long time to feel comfortable, like giving him head again. Cause I was really nervous. I think it took like maybe five or six months really before I started feeling comfortable and again he's such a saint uh that he was just like take your time like I'm here but also talk to your therapist about this <laughs> and I did I told her about this and she was like it was really early on when I got that article and she was like look like we don't know what can or cannot prevent this because she also like lives in New York City and like March and April were such fucking horrific months that like she, even she was like Cause I, how did I word it? I was like, Aaron thinks it's my OCD. And she was like, no, it is like, these are your OCD thoughts right now. However, we don't know how this is transmitted, how bad it's going to be if you get it. So if this makes you feel more comfortable right now, then don't give that. <laughs> and I was like, sold. But Aaron was like, but also this is your OCD. Like she said, it's your OCD too. <clears throat> Um, and then we, we got through it, but yeah, it's, that's how long story short, too long. Didn't read. That's how it manifested in me <laughs> or how it manifests in me, but it can, it's different for everyone for sure. And it can definitely be more extreme or, or less extreme for people, depending on, on, um, I guess a lot of things really, like, I don't want to make any bold statements, but it's really based on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had <laughs> some things when I was younger too, some, um, uh, intrusive thoughts, if you will. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. like, uh, I had I had a counting thing. So like, I couldn't eat things in even numbers, M&Ms in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd have to eat like two, 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 if there was one left over, I had to throw it away. I cannot eat odd numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I think had that's a... balance. I think one of the compulsions is like balance. 
Yeah. I think it's what it's called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I had a, a tick that I actually had to like touch my ear to my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Otherwise the vampires would eat me. I don't know. It was a weird. <laughs> no, it happens. And a, a lot, I think it's like most OCD is triggered in childhood. Um, mm. I thought it was more, and I could be wrong. So if anyone's listening, they can definitely correct me. But I always thought it was just like, you had it. Like it was just like, like a, like a, personality disorder i'm not sure if that's the right term um kind of like bipolar or like something like that that was just in you and my therapist was like oh no like it's you could be maybe predisposed to it by based on like genetics but usually it is triggered like ocd is more triggered by something that happened to you um mm -hmm. whereas maybe some people just are born being like with bipolar or with um now i can't think of like any or like borderline personality disorder and my grandmother like for sure had like borderline personality disorder and i maybe maybe bipolar, um, all undiagnosed, unfortunately, because uh, she didn't trust therapists. But I was like, oh, so she had that. So here's one that I have, like, it's just genetic. And that's when my therapist was like, no, no, they're, how they happen are different, like for people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, yeah. so, so crazy. I, I just like, not crazy. It's um just so interesting to me, like when, how I got over it. My grandmother, who was a very um, fearsome woman to me, I was very scared of her, um, but she, I had a cough, like I would go, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that was one of the, one of the ticks or whatever. And one day she just went, you knocked that shit off and she would <laughs> just threw the crap out of me. And I never did it again. I have no idea how that happened but I got over it at that moment. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like it was just the scarier of the two, you know? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and that's kind of how like it works. You're just like, oh, okay. Like now I choose this one. And then you're like, I'm good. And then you see, oh, I don't have to do this tick anymore. Like nothing, the bad, the intrusive thoughts aren't happening. The bad thoughts aren't happening. Um, mm. And that's when like people like say, I, I've recently, because I've been really, really dealing or like it's been coming up a lot in my, in my life mentally of like just how much I did to protect myself with OCD so I get really triggered when someone says like I have a smidge of it or like I have like just a like a little and I'm like that's not how this works like like intrusive thoughts are like a big part of it like there has to be a yeah. reasoning for why you're doing this not like a it just makes me feel nice it's like no it'd be so x y and z doesn't happen and it's usually a pretty graphic horrific scary thought that is like taking over your life like i was telling aaron like i felt like i lost part of like my childhood a little bit because i was just you know i don't know if disassociating is the right word but it's just like oh it took over a part no matter how i look at it like i had to do these things to like in my mind to protect myself and my therapist was talking about she's like was reading a book about trauma and she's like yeah like what these kids do to protect themselves is like you know genius and but you get to a point when you're an adult where you don't need them anymore and then it's mm -hmm. like learning you don't need to do these things and just because this happens doesn't mean it's all going to come back and like learning how to like deal with that and things like that the new synapses are formed. I, mm -hmm. I think it, I mean, I'm sure there's neuroscientists out here that'll give me <laughs> the right answer, but I believe like, because the brain is so like connected in so many different ways, it, it forms new connections all the time. It's just kind of like one of those site, like circular, circular connections mm -hmm. that just ends up happening and it just becomes a, a problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then like, I, again, like, I don't, this is all just like, 
you know, theory, but yeah, your, your, your brain's growing so much too, for so long that of course, like things are going to change along the way too. And then, and then feeling safe and comfortable and it's going to make you, yeah, things are going to fire differently for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad, I'm glad you, you're, even though she scared you, I'm glad you were able to <laughs> kind of be like shook it up a little bit and be like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Because it is. It was it's... either the vampires or grandma. Or grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I, she was very scared of my grandmother. She was a very scary woman. Uh, she sometimes still haunts me in her dreams. Uh, in my dreams, not her dreams. She is uh, long gone now. Um, but yeah, grandmas can be crazy, man. They can be scary as fuck. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So we haven't gone dark. We've gotten dark pretty quickly. I love it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for the darkness. Yay. Um, so tell me about your current your current boyfriend. How'd you guys meet? Is it love? Of course it's love. Um, you like live together. Uh, so this no, no, none of that. None of that. Uh. Um so uh, this is funny. So we've been friends. So we met from a hookup about like six years ago, like 2017 or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> I didn't talk to him for a long time after that. It was actually a very lovely experience. We were like <laughs> house sitting at his friend's house. And like, we were in the pool. Then we like went upstairs we drank wine and like had sex. And it was like, it was great. It was like one of the best hookups I ever had. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I just lost contact for whatever reason. And then like one day, like, I don't know, maybe like two years later I just started seeing this like random face in my in my stories and I was like who is that (laughs) and I remembered oh this is the guy I hooked up with and so ever since then we just like became friends and like we're like sending memes to each other and like you know we, we pretty much talked every single day like ever since then we became really really good friends but I was always like really weird about like once we hit that friend zone it's there's no going farther than that like Mm -hmm. we're just friends um i invited him to palm springs with me so like me him and my other friend we all went to palm springs together and i don't know something shifted on that trip because like i just looked at him like differently I, i think i was like sitting in the pool and i was like huh okay i think I like you (laughs) again was wrestling with this thing in my head it was like I can't go there with you and then not Mm -hmm. only that he got a boyfriend shortly thereafter um so again like for two years I was like on the sidelines kind of like watching and like (laughs) like listening to (laughs) this horrible relationship that he was in you know i'm sure it was great in in some parts of it too but i'm like oh like this guy is like not the guy for you like i just like that's the thought that i was that was kept going through my head and you know again i just was like you know caring for my friend and you know want to make sure that he's he's got all all the best things for him and then well recently we were in san francisco together they had broken up a little while back and um I don't know. We were dancing and then something happened and then it just was like, okay, I guess I'm going to give in a little bit. And then we've been dating ever since. It's been a couple months now, but um, yeah, it's, it's the first time that both of us have like had a friend that developed into something more. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, honestly, it's, it's been really great. You know, I, I, I don't think 
I mean, I, I highly recommend that to anybody. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's the thing that people say all the time, but like, I, I've never experienced that. So it's mm-hmm. very strange for both of us. And we're also, both of us are very scared that like, you know, if, if anything goes wrong in this relationship, that like, we'll lose a friend. But like, no, this, that can't happen. We've been friends for too long that like, we, that, that will never happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's been honestly really great. He's an awesome guy. He has his shit together, and um, which is really great for me because <laughs> I don't always have my shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just really smart, really funny, great guy. No, that sounds great. I do agree. It is like you hear people say like your partner should be like your best friend, and I think I completely agree. Like Aaron is my best friend, um, and I think what's important is that they're not your only friend. That's when I think it's like, oh, this shit's like getting codependent. But having a yeah. best friend, uh, it's so fun. You're just so excited to see them like every day and like, like tell them the goss and like tell them what's up and like just be silly with them. That's such a great foundation for like a really long lasting relationship. Um, but I do get that. Like it is scary to be like, would we lose each other after, you know, because it does get more intense for sure, I think. And to, mm-hmm. to like step away from that would be, would scare me too. Like I would be scared of losing that. Um, Cause I'm also a worst case scenario type of person. sounds like you might be as well. So you're always like, well, if this happens, what would we do? And it's like, my partner has to be like, but it hasn't happened. And there's a good chance that it won't happen. So like, let's not even think about it. Um, and he also is the more stable one. Uh, I feel like my life can be super chaotic with like performing and doing all these like random jobs to like, you know, live in New York City. But he's always had like, you know, like the same job and very stable and just very like even keeled where I'm like up and down way more. And so it's a really good um, it's a really good balance, I think. What's his sign and what's your sign? I'm a Virgo. He's a Scorpio. Okay, I feel like that's kind of a good combination. It is. It's it's a very good combination. Yeah, I'm a Leo and he's an Aquarius, and we both actually. Oh, yeah, that's also good. That's also good. Yeah. And his birthday. Fire and like- air and earth and water go together mm-hmm. very well. And I, we're both a twentieth birthday too. Uh, so I find that like really interesting that his birthday is like January twentieth and mine's August twentieth, and I'm like, yep, I think it's perfect. It's great. It's all. It's all aligned. My number, my favorite. I'm in Life Path One in numerology, and so I've also been very. Aff- I have an affinity for the number 11. So 11, 11, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, his birthday is November 10th. So 11, one. <laughs> mm. Okay. I love it. I don't know numerology. Well, I've always kind of wanted to dive in, but I feel like I just uh, overwhelm myself with like astrology and then Chinese astrology. I very much love Chinese astrology. Um, Cause What's it's yours? like, I'm a dragon. <gasps> Me too. Yay! I'm an I'm an Earth Dragon. What type of dragon are you? Earth Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Earth Dragon. Eighty eight. Our birthdays okay. are our, our birthdays like a month apart, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. When's your birthday? If you don't mind saying. September second. September second. Okay, August twentieth. September second. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Wow. How fun. Okay, yay! I know Earth Dragon's like a really good. I, I babysat for a family that was Chinese, and when they found out that I was a dragon, the mom was like do you just feel like you're really lucky all the time? And I was like, kind of, yeah. And she was like, she was like, people try to have babies in Year of the Dragon because of that. It's like a very, very lucky, <laughs> like the luckiest sign out of all of them. And I was like, that's cool. I had no clue. I just, I'm a Leo. So I love that it tells me good things about myself, you know? So that's really, really <laughs> cool. But yeah, I'm like all fire. Yeah, it's Leo. Um, I'm a Scorpio moon. 
uh, Scorpio moon and then Cancer rising. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gemini moon Libra rising is mine. Gemini. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Very sensual. Very mm-hmm. open. So very us- mindful, like, like, uh, a, like, like intrusive thoughts as Gemini moon for sure. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an overthinker, overanalyzer. Uh, and I also like to think of uh, Libra balance. It's very, I don't know. I can talk about astrology all day. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that all day though. With you. <laughs> no, because it's so simple to go down that route. I totally get it. But yeah, no, it is. Um, and being very mindful is very important to like asking people about like their lives in such a, a deep way too. And I think that is why you're having success with it. And I am as well, right? Like we're not doing it. Like we just genuinely want to know. And there's such a difference, uh, in that type of listening and that type of like, like I call it like active listening. And I always kind of roll my eyes, but it's true. Like, are you actively listening to what this person is saying and like being receptive? Because that is what allows people to open up. And that's what allows people to have like these cathartic moments, uh, one-on-one on a podcast in life. And that's why I'm like, I hate the water cooler shit. It's such bullshit. It's just awkward talk. Why don't we just get awkward with a really deep question? And then we just lose that immediately. You know, like we just, we got Mm -hmm. so deep so quick. Now we feel super comfortable with each other, you know? And that's what I love. Oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. When you're talking about that, like earlier in the podcast, I about talking about deep stuff and not wanting to talk about like the idle chit chat. I used to have friends get so fucking mad at me for bringing up the dark stuff. Like I remember I had a friend that was like always unhappy in a relationship. And my friend would be like, my other friend would be like, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. We're not going to talk about X. <laughs> and I'd be like, do you want to talk about it? And she'd be like, yeah, I do. And I was like, yeah, cause you're miserable. Like you need a space to talk about this instead of like pretending like it's not happening and that it doesn't exist. And then like, I'd be like, see, she wanted to talk about it. Like people want to talk about these things. They're just waiting. They don't want to feel like a burden. They're waiting for someone to be like, I'm so down. And Mm -hmm. like, I used to always be considered like the too much friend. Like I was too much. I was asking too many questions. I was being too weird. And it's like, cool. Then I guess I'm just too much for you. And like whatever shit you need to deal with, you know, like it's, you can't put that on me. Yeah, I've been told that before several times. <laughs> yeah, and it fucks with you. Like for a long, I, I'll never forget, like I thought I was too much and then I moved to New York City and now I'm just so normal compared to everyone else. And I was like, this is why I'll never leave. Like this, I am so accepted here in a way that I never was in like other places and that I just have never experienced in any other city either. Like anytime I go on tour, like all the cities are cool, but then you get back and you're just like, "Mm -hmm, this is my home. Like this allows me to be exactly who I've always wanted to be. And then you probably feel the same way about like Sacramento and like the West Coast. Yeah. So, okay. I wanted to ask you, because you were just in LA like a month ago, and I'm very sad because I wanted to see your show. I had just moved from LA like a month ago. Or a month prior to that. And I was like, fuck, like she's finally over here. And like, I want to go see this show. Oh my God. (laughs) I just moved back home with my mom. So I'm an hour east from LA now. I love LA. It was great. How was your show? It was lower attended than I thought it was going to be. I was very, yeah, which is totally fine. They were still great shows. Um, And I was surprised because we got everywhere. We got like LA Times, LAS. I was like, yay, amazing. And then my friends were like, yeah, people like don't, drive places like when they're done like they're done for the day like and I was like oh, LA that makes is sense. very fickle 
Mm-hmm. LA is very fickle. Yeah. We will definitely be back though. Like the venue really loved us. Um, I would absolutely love to come back. We will definitely be coming back again for sure. And we want to do more West Coast. Like I know San Francisco is on the list. I think San Cremeto is on the list too. Um, because the West Coast has been this year was my first year on the West Coast. So we did Seattle twice and then we did LA. And I um was super excited and honored to do that. LA is definitely different. LA is mm. a, a way different place that I could see myself feeling very isolated in. Like I need mm-hmm. to, I'm I'm so quick to be like, oh, I, I can easily stay inside for five days and not realize it, um, especially when I'm working remotely. Uh, so it's so nice to be like, I have to walk to go to the grocery store. I have to walk and do these things. Like it helps you get out of the house. Um, and then also we just do a lot anyways. But in LA, I could totally see myself like not leaving. And then it was also hard for me to fathom. I knew it was a wide city. I had no clue how wide because I was like, mm-hmm. we were staying in Pasadena, which is very nice. And our, our friends had an amazing house with a pool and it was such a blast. But I was like, I really want to go see the Pacific Ocean. Like I've never seen it. And they were kind of <laughs> like, at least an hour and a half away. Yeah, they were like, Pasadena, mm, yeah. you're going to be in traffic. And I was like, you know what? I hear you. We'll probably only get to go for two hours, but it's worth it for me. Like I want to see it. And I was like, it can't be an hour and a half back. And it was like, because we went on a Friday. So it was like 45 minutes there no traffic. And then I think an hour and a half back traffic. And I was like, yeah, this is, this a lot. And they told, I think they told me my husband, if you like move there, you have to decide, are you a mountain person? Are you a beach person? Like you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not, you can't have both really. And that is what really blew my mind was being in California and not always at the beach every day. Like I just assumed right. everyone was at the beach every day. Cause like we are at the beach as much as possible in New York city. Cause we're at, uh, we have Rockaways. So like, yeah. I, I was like, that's what really blew my mind. Like that I'm at the beach every weekend in New York city, but like maybe it's like a once or twice a year thing. If you're living in LA. Yeah. I, I've grown up in Southern California. So like I've, I've, you know, had numerous beach trips like throughout my life. And when I finally moved to LA, Four years ago, I was at the beach all the time. And especially mm. during the pandemic when there was like nothing else to do. Hells yeah. I was like, I'm just here every day. Like I got so tan. Ah. <laughs> it was so much fun. But yeah, it is a very isolating place. And that's part of the reason why I felt like I needed to move back. Because I was like, I just, I don't have any friends here. And I, I, well, I have friends here, but like, I just don't see them that often. And like, mm-hmm. It's just a very like weird place and you know a lot of other reasons also but like I was just like I gotta I'm not gonna get out of here for a little while. <laughs> well yeah and like I remember the people that we saw because we do we have a lot of friends in LA and they're like you if you're like across town you just don't see them and like yeah. here and this is why I feel so spoiled in New York like I am in five to ten minute walking distance to like three to four of my best friends and so it's so like it's gross, but we kind of have like a, like a sitcom friendship of like, we do see each other multiple times a week. Like we just hung out with our best friends and their baby Sunday. And now Aaron's going to a basketball game with, you know, the husband today, you know? So it's like, there was one day we didn't see each other. Like it's, it's you. And I need, I found that for myself, I really need that. And like when my OCD was a you know, a much bigger problem. I was very solo. And so now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I really crave friendship in a way that I didn't realize that I want and need. And so I think that's what also scares me about LA too, a little bit of just like, it is really hard to see your friends, especially like if you say you're like Venice Beach to like Pasadena, like that's such a like hard. And then unfortunately, the um, public transportation is not set up well for 
the people that live in LA, which really sucks too. Like public transportation is like such a game changer and really could be possible in LA too, which like, it's so possible to make it happen, but it's just, I don't know. Yeah. They just gave up on it. Like when New York was really like developing their subway and stuff, like we started and we're like, eh, no, we're just going to have everyone do cars. Like, <laughs> And what is it? Highway highway 10 just had a massive car fire uh, and it's it's shut down indefinitely yeah oh my god like that's so scary and that's like three hundred thousand cars a day on that and it's like oh it's gonna mm -hmm. make it so much worse and i'm also um sorry i feel like i'm rambling but i'm also from like the dc area and so my dad worked uh i love dc but we worked so he was like on a good day no traffic it's probably like 40 minutes away from DC with traffic, it was like two and a half hours a day. And yeah. it was just like, I, so that was part of my reasoning for going to New York too, was like, I cannot live in a city with traffic. Like I've done this. I hate it. I cannot, mm -hmm. but I do, I do love the city, uh, DC. I feel like it gets shat on, but there's like some really cool art shit. Um, there's some really cool, like music scenes, comedy scenes. Like it's probably my favorite city to tour is DC. Like we always go to black cat and I just, I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I was like, I just can't do, I can't do the traffic. Uh, but like <laughs> the, the nature is so cool. Like we got to do um, Runyon Cannon, um, not Cannon, Canyon, Canyon. <laughs> Canyon yeah. <laughs> there it is. We got to, yeah, go to the beach. We got to go, oh, we did something else in the mountains. No, Griffith Park. Like we got to like really be in nature, which was cool. Like you don't kind of get that the same way you do. Like you have Central Park and you have Prospect Park, but you're not actually like actively hiking. Um, and so that was really nice. Yeah, but... I lived down the street from Griffith Park in Hollywood. Oh, cool. I liked Hollywood. I think Hollywood was fun. Um, and then the only other thing that I like couldn't wrap my mind around was like in New York, you've got like, it's just bars everywhere, right? It's just yeah. like bars <laughs> and like all the apartments are above. Where in like, or like the venues are everywhere and the apartments are above. But in in LA, it's like, here's the venue, a couple of shops that are closed because it's night and then just suburbs. And so that was really, I think like I, when I pictured my venue, I thought there'd be like a bar right next door to that we'd go to, to hang out. Um, and like, we'd hang out with people, but everyone was like, well, we got to go home. Cause like, you know, like we got to go, like, it's gonna be like a 30 minute drive home. And I was like, Oh, cause it's like the venues and the spots are like in these suburbs, even though it was like Hollywood, we were still like surrounded by houses and like apartments and stuff. Yeah. And I think that also like was kind of um, a mind fuck for me or like I had to like adjust to, but I definitely will definitely be back for sure. Like LA is cool in its own way. I don't think it's the best spot for me, um, but I get why people do like it. It was nice. Yeah, it was I don't think so it's the best nice spot for me. I <laughs> like I love. I was like, I think this might actually be a problem for me. I shouldn't be here anymore. <laughs> what was so weird too, or like so funny, is uh, strangers would find out that we were from New York, and they were like, "You're gonna move here. You're gonna love it." And I was like, "Do they get like a commission? Like they're strangers. Why are they telling us to move here?" <laughs> and then we came back, and all our best friends were like, "Did you hate it? Tell us about it." Like you're not leaving, are you? And it was like the New York versus LA, like dichotomy, like that's not the right word. Are you the New York versus LA? Like argument is just so real. Like it's so stereotypical and so real. Rivalry. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's it's what so I want. Funny. Rivalry. It's, it's very alive and, and people really are like against each other and it's so silly and hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this, okay. So we've been talking for an hour. It's been, it's flew by. Um, I always like to ask my people at the end, is there anything we did not talk about? 
that you'd like to talk about? And the answer can be no. Of like, you can be like, no, I we covered everything. Cannibalism. Okay. <laughs> How do we feel about it? <laughs> Eli Roth. Uh, he loves to talk about cannibalism. Um, who was it? He was Har- Army Hammer. He's the Army Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to eat your ribs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Personally, I am, I guess, against cannibalism. <laughs> but I guess if you find a group together, that's all, you know, consensual. Sure. I don't know if that's <laughs> even possible, but <laughs> I don't think I'm for it myself. Uh, I, I just think it's become a very popular point of uh, popular culture at the moment. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, we've I, I had this conversation just recently with my friend Dr. Victoria Hartman of the Erotic Heritage Museum fame. She uh, uh, specializes in in like I said necrophilia, and uh, we I talked to her about cannibalism also. But like I don't know, it's just become a very popular thing, and a lot of it's like romanticized in media also. So it's oh, very like I don't know, it's just always like at the top of my my thoughts, you know. And then I think last podcast on the left just did a, a new episode. Oh no, that's necrophilia actually. That's necrophilia. Anyways, I talk about weird shit, so now <laughs> it I love my life that. crazy. <laughs> I will have to look more into this. I don't think I ever really it was becoming like you know a more popular subject so i will be looking into this yeah yellow jackets um, oh yes okay of course of course yes and then i think there's a movie that came out of like a young i want to say they might be zombies but they're like they're conscious zombies i don't know but like mm. there's like there's like teenagers it's a love story and like they i don't know i forget what it's called but yeah there's a movie about cannibalism like it, it's it's there it's like it, it's very like in a zeitgeist and so i'm like why is that a thing right now it always makes me think of the andy's um plane crash because mm-hmm. of the that famous picture of them of their survivors and there was like a spine in the background and um the donner party not the donner party no, the plane it, crash yeah so i found this through like you know when buzzfeed does like you know creepiest photos ever uh that's one of them because the plane crashed, I, I guess they were the the plane was too low, or there was clouds. They didn't realize they were like in the Andes, so it crashes into uh side of the mountain, and they're there for months in the winter. And Ooh. so, a lot of them either died in the initial crash or died from their injuries. But then to survive, the remaining people ate the bodies. Oh. Um, a couple people were off limits. Like I think one of their mothers was like off limits. Um. And so originally when they found them, I think they like called off the search because they just just assumed everyone was dead. When they found them, they were, you know, super excited. And then there was backlash from like the public when they found out how they survived, which was eating, you know, the dead people's like bodies. Um, Because it was also in the winter too. So they were able to like preserve them in like the snow and stuff like that. Um, and that was really interesting of like that immediate, like, we're so happy. And then, oh, like you guys are terrible people. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. else were were we supposed to do? You know, it was the only way that we could survive, unfortunately. Um, so that's what it always makes me think of. I think you'd actually, if I can find it, I will send it to you. But like Buzzfeed will come out with like creepiest photos and it's actually pretty legit, like, um, creepy that I was like, oh, I shouldn't, this is going to give me nightmares. I should not be watching, like looking at this (laughs) and reading this, but I do it to myself every time, every time. What was that website that like all the kids back in the early days of the internet used to look at? It was like, 
like it was it was literally like you know um like the heads getting decapitated from helicopters or uh it was like <laughs> oh shit what was that? oh my god it was on... oh my god it was rotten.com that's what it was what was it rotten.com rotten.com i think a lot of it was fake but like there were some that it's like oh i don't know about that mm. oh shit i was too i was so like Pure is not the right word, but my, what I watched or like what I consumed was so like happy. Like I watched Blue's Clues <laughs> until I was like 14 because it made me feel so good that I would be so afraid of like Rotten.com. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, let me go darker. Um, yeah. But I totally get it. Like we, there is a part of us that wants to see that or like want to I think it's more like learning more about it. It's like, I think morbid curiosity, morbid yeah. curiosity. Same thing with like serial killer podcasts, like, and why women are so into serial killers. It's kind of like, it's research. Like, what do we do if this like happens to us? But there is that like very morbid um, curiosity, like you said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love talking about it. I'm true. Crime is also one of my favorite things in the world. So I used to be really, really big on it. And then one day I got, when I was still smoking weed, I don't smoke weed anymore because it makes me feel like I'm having a panic attack. So I stopped, but <laughs> power to everyone doing it. I miss it a lot. Um, but I got too high watching the documentary about the girl that was like taken out of the hotel room on vacation. Um, I can't remember. Oh, um, that one in LA? I think it was a different country. Oh, they like no. went to a different country. And the there was like, it was like groups of friends and they had like four or five kids and they like, they just kept going to check on them while they were at dinner because they were all young. So they would just go check to make sure they were asleep. And then it's like the, the theory is like someone didn't close the door properly and like either the one girl got out or was like abducted and she was like never found. But I just got way too high and was like, oh, I can't do this. And then I just stopped like, and then I think I watched Dunkirk instead, which okay um <laughs> and that's like that's the last thing i've watched really or like uh consumed when it's come to um serial killers the only other thing that i've kind of been watching or i was like more active on was the idaho state killer like the idaho yeah. college that, yeah, that one was just like that. yeah that one was crazy and then i think i hit a point too where i was like okay people people died i feel like i'm consuming this in not a healthy way or like a fair way to to like the families of of the victims um and i stopped but yeah when something big happens i'm like oh shit but i have not watched like something in a long time and i used to a lot a lot i have somewhere here i have like a serial killer book yeah here it is the encyclopedia of serial killers oh boy which i feel like you'd like and it's literally (laughs) it's literally like a college book where it'll just be it's very like there's no no voice really they're just like this is what they did it's like a wikipedia page of everyone there's no like oh that was wrong they did that which obviously it is but like there's just no no opinion about it oh i can't get it in. um but yeah i used to be like very 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 into it yeah yeah on my uh on my youtube channel i have a video uh that i posted with dr victoria hartman she um uh she's writing a two books actually um Mm -hmm. called the sexual art of serial killers so she's been researching serial killers and their artwork and like what the connection between their artwork or Ah. disconnection between their artwork and their uh, atrocities are so if you're interested yeah send that 
send that to me. I would absolutely listen to that. Like that, I think that is always like so eye-opening and just like when you like dive into it, it's fucking crazy. Um, And like that I find more interesting than doing, and instead of doing like another like Jeffrey Dahmer, like um, scripted show, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, John Wayne Gacy apparently had like a bunch of artwork and stuff too. That feels right. He was fucking crazy. Like, oh, he... That one really gets me because you're just like, no one knew, no one knew. Mm-hmm. Um, even um, Bundy gets me, especially at the end. I don't think he did. Well, I don't know if he did art, but the end where he's like almost getting caught and then he goes to a sorority house and just like bites the nipple off this woman and then like it kills her. And you're just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm going to do so many trigger warnings on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's crazy. Um this has been a blast you will definitely be back uh i where can people find you where should people Um, find you and listen at dimitri wild underscore on instagram you can find my podcast hookup horror stories wherever you get your podcasts you can also get it on youtube i have other stuff on my youtube as well you can just search demi wild on there and uh yeah that's it yay amazing this was so great thank you for so much for coming on Thank you for having me. I'm so, it's full circle moment, truly. Yay! Oh, it was so great. I'm so, I'm so sad I had to get canceled because I got sick, but I'm glad we got to get back, um, got it on the books. Guys, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, it's so great to have you every week. You guys are a blast. Thank you again, Dimitri, for coming on. You are a gem, and I'm so excited. We got to meet via Zoom and talk um, after you know emailing as well, and I'm so glad this happened. And so remember, you can follow him at Dimitri Wild, Wild spelled W-I-L-D-E, underscore at the end of that, and then go download his podcast, Hookup Stories, which you can also you know follow on Instagram, at Hookup Stories. Uh, as well and I will see you guys soon and have a great rest of your week go have fun go relax go masturbate go do what you need to do right now especially as we're going into the holiday season and whatever that means for you you know mentally emotionally physically and that whatever you need to do is exactly what you need to do Um, (laughs) let me get a little inspirational at the end and we'll talk soon y'all bye